Hello, everyone, and welcome to part two of From the Hacks 2020, Tim Horton's Briar Preview. Our guests in this episode are Steve Laycock of Team BC, Darren Moulding of Alberta, whose team has played in the last two Briar finals, Team Canada's Ben Hebert, who will look to defend his Briar title, along with the remainder of Team Cooey, and John Epping, who will skip the home team from Ontario at the Briar in Kingston. So before we get started, if you've ever wondered how they get those nice graphics into the ice at Grand Slams at the World Championships and at Nationals in Canada and the U.S., well, the answer is provided by Jedi's, whose in-ice graphics from easy and textile logos to the world-famous Jedi's Full House product are great ways for clubs to enhance the appearance of their ice and to generate much-needed additional sponsorship revenues. Easy and textile logos are the industry standard for high-quality logos and they're a snap to install. Meanwhile, Jedi's customizable Full Houses are a relatively new way for clubs to grow sponsorship revenues by offering maximum brand recognition to those sponsors. No one can match Jedi's design services, quick turnaround times, and product quality, which is why Jedi's products are valued by major organizations such as Curling Canada, the World Curling Federation, USA Curling, and Sportsnet, who trust Jedi's to provide the products they require for their high-profile events. Jedi's. They bring ice to life. Steve Laycock has fallen off the curling radar somewhat in this current cycle. We catch up with the former Saskatchewan Briar representative as he prepares for his second Briar as a member of Team Cotter from BC. Steve, you've fallen a little bit off the curling radar, as it were, over the past couple of seasons, moving from a highly ranked team that was a fixture in the slams to a team that plays fewer, more regional events since joining Team Cotter in BC. Has this change of pace allowed you to take a deep breath and, and perhaps re-energized you a little bit from a curling perspective after a few intense years on tour? Yeah, I think there was uh, a certain amount of intention to that when we uh, put the team together. We were kind of all guys that had gone really hard uh, in that last Olympic cycle. And uh, I think in that last year heading into the trials, our team got the last spot direct to the trials. Like my uh, previous team got the last spot direct to the trials from points. And Jim's team was literally the next team. They were the team that uh, just missed out and had to go through the pre-trials. So have gone really hard at that and then all of a sudden get to the trials and um, that's a really intense season again. I think there's just a little bit of burnout and needing to recharge the batteries a little bit and um, having reflected on that uh, trials quadrennial, I think you almost get to the end of it and it's like you're you're not playing your best, the intensity isn't where it needs to be and it's just tough to maintain that, uh, that type of pace for four years. So we intentionally wanted to scale back a little bit, really ease into it and we know we're probably because of we're not going to be playing in slams that type of thing because of our ranking. It's going to be probably have to go through the pre-trials at best. So, um, but we knew that was the right approach for us and just where we're at in the stage of uh, uh, curling and its priority and just the amount of time we can dedicate to it right now. But that's not to say that we don't have that intensity and when we get to those big events, we we definitely uh, can find that fire in a real hurry. Has the fact that you were playing fewer events and traveling a little less allowed you to throw more rocks, work on technique, and perhaps allow you to feel a little bit sharper heading into the briar? Yeah, I would say definitely it gives you an opportunity to work on things you normally wouldn't. Um, when you're playing every weekend, uh, it's tough to find time between events to do more than just kind of recover and 
work on kind of the immediate needs, but this has really allowed us time to work on things and really have a progression where you're very intentional and you can look at peaking for events like the provincial. And not surprisingly, we definitely played by far our best of the season at provincial. So um, that's one thing it allows, and hopefully that will allow us to have another uh, good peak performance at the Briar because we're not burning ourselves out. Steve, analytics is playing uh, an increasingly important role in the sport of curling. You and your former team out of Saskatchewan were among the first elite-level teams to pay a bunch of attention to analytics. Can you talk a little about the importance that analytics uh, now plays in the sport of curling, and uh, and have teams perhaps become a little bit too dependent on analytics to make their in-game decisions? It's important to know why you're doing things in curling, why you're calling shots. Are they actually helping you win the game, or are they just going with your gut? Um, it starts to become second nature a little bit where um, your understanding of analytics plus just what the ice is giving you that day or what you think your team's going to make or what your opponent's going to make, it starts to become second nature. And you can actually go too far to the other side where the analytics are telling you to play a certain shot, but you just know it won't be made or your opponent's going to make a certain shot or not make a certain shot based on the ice conditions that day. So uh, there needs to be a fine balance of it. But, yeah, I think uh, – it's huge to know why you're doing the things you're doing, and there was a lot of uh, lack of that in curling uh, going back a decade ago. So, yeah, I think it's been great uh, evolution of the game. Your team has only played four games this season against other teams that will be in the field at the Briar. At this point in your career, Steve, is getting uh, high-level reps against top teams still very important, or is it more about working on your technique, staying fit and healthy, and arriving at the Briar rested and ready to tackle the grind of a Briar week? Yeah, a little of both. I mean, the experience uh, playing against these teams in the past and just being in those intense situations and those types of games, being on arena ice and in that environment, to have that experience I think is absolutely critical. As far as knowing what these teams are doing and uh, just some of their tendencies, I mean, they're on TV so often, and I do watch a lot of curling on TV, so I don't think we're going to get caught by surprise there and knowing what where you're going to potentially get misses out of players like that part it isn't going to be lacking. There's a certain just confidence and belief factor when you go out and actually beat these teams on tour where you know it can happen. But, I mean, we're a big believers in we can only control what we can control, and we're going out and playing the other eight stones anyway. So sometimes it, uh, you can think about that too much. You can almost uh, paralyze yourself because you're always expecting that guy to make that shot because you've seen it so often and that it causes you to be tentative. So um, it's a slippery slope to overanalyze who you're playing, so that we can use that to our advantage as well. Your team's round-robin schedule seems fairly balanced in Kingston, where you don't play all of the top-ranked teams either at the start or at the end of the round-robin. Do you even pay attention to your schedule ahead of time? And if so, are you happy with the balanced schedule your team has this year? Yeah, I don't know if there's a, a right or wrong for that kind of schedule construction. I mean, it's nice to get off to a good start not have yourself behind the eight ball, but at the same time, if you've played some of those teams, tough teams early, and you get off to a slower start, you know you at least have chances where you should have a reasonable chance of winning those games you'll need to win later in your first part of the round robin. So um, at the end of the day, it's about uh, picking up on the ice early and continuing to get better each game. And uh, we know there's certain teams that you just have to beat. And of those top teams, I think you got to play good against them and find some wins there. Realistically, you need, uh, obviously, probably a minimum of four to advance to championship round. But realistically, if you go into the championship round at four and three, your odds of making it to the playoffs are still pretty low. So 
Um, you just got to come out and perform. You're going to have to beat some of those top teams. And when you get to the championship pool portion, you're going to have to be playing top teams every game. So you're going to have to find some wins there. So it's really uh, not to focus too much about how you're playing and just continue to improve the performance. That's going to give you the best chance as you play those teams and the games get bigger at the end of the week. And finally, Steve, what are going to be the keys uh, if uh, Team BC are to qualify for the championship round and make a run at the playoffs in Kingston? I think the keys for us are going to be able to, uh, if we can dictate kind of how the game's going to be played and our, kind of our game plan and what allows us to play our best, and if we get comfortable with the ice and how it is you make shots out there, which you don't know that until you get to the event. Like, we don't know how sharp the rocks are going to be or how much they're going to have at curling. I'm sure there's a lot of teams that have been caught off guard by some of the tendencies of uh, the, the hit weights running straight at Scotty's that they weren't planning for that. So, I mean, you can't go in with a preconceived notion. You've got to get there and figure that out. But we got to go in with the ability to be able to throw in any type of ice condition and adapt to what we have there and get real comfortable with it. That's going to be the key. A team Botcher has played in the championship final at the last two Briars, and they are back looking to take that next step and earn their first Briar title. Third, Darren Molding joined me to discuss Team Botcher's season. We discussed the on-ice relationship he has with Brandon Botcher, and we also discussed the winding road that Molding took on his journey to become an elite curler. So, Darren, your team ended last season on such a high note, reaching the final at the Briar and winning three straight slams. Your team seemed to approach this season in a slow burn type of pattern, not playing that much early. Was that a conscious decision by the team after a fairly busy and successful 2018-2019 season? We just had a slow start, kind of beyond our control. Uh, in Ontario, uh, Brad had to go home early, so uh, we um, had to play with three the last day and almost qualified, but couldn't beat Schwaller. We, we were able to beat the Cruz, but couldn't beat Schwaller to qualify. And then Portage got cancelled due to Snowmageddon, so... That was another spiel that we lost early. So we went, we basically went into North Bay not having played a spiel together. We, we played six, I think it was six games or four games maybe, together all season at our first slam. So it was not ideal, but I thought we recovered and had a really good fall. Your team has progressed up the world rankings over the past couple of seasons, and after losing the Briar Final for a second consecutive year and winning three straight slams, I wonder if you started to feel like your team has a bullseye on their shirts these days with uh, each of the other teams coming at you with their A game, which means you typically don't get to coast much during events, even when playing teams that are ranked much lower than you are. I mean, we have noticed it, um, but not. I don't know. I mean, some of it might be that we're a team that people get up to play against, but a lot of it's just the general level of play is improving. And uh, we really saw it in our provincial championship this year. You know, Cooey wasn't there, but that was a tough, tough field. And I think a lot of people really uh, underestimate how good some of the, uh, you know, teams that are, you know, maybe a tier two or three team, how talented they are. So, uh, you know, any one of them can come up and, and beat you, and really, like, once you get on top or near the top, uh, it just makes it that much tougher with expectations, and, um, you know, definitely, like, every time we go to a spiel now, if we, you know, anything less than winning the events is kind of disappointing, but we just try and focus on, you know, the process we have to do to throw it well and be, be a consistent team. 
You and Brendan have created a solid on-ice partnership where you seem to complement each other very well. He's a more stoic, quiet guy, while you are the more openly energetic and reactive to what is happening out on the ice. Do you believe that your differences have created a balance that has helped the two of you become better players and, as a result, helped the team climb up in the rankings? Um, well, I, I do think that our personalities complement each other really well on the ice. And, I, I, you know, I'm pretty sure he would agree. Um, I don't know. Like, we, we don't really talk about it, and that's probably what makes it so easy with Brendan is <clears throat> just that it's so natural. And, uh, you know, he's we, we are actually similar in a lot of ways, even though, like, we have obvious differences, uh, you know, like him being stoic and calling me being a bit of an orangutan out there sometimes. But, um, you know, we're both fiercely competitive. We're both clutch late in games, I feel. And, uh, you know, we both, like, really try and pull out everything we can to win every game. So when I'm playing with Brendan, I always know, like, that he wants to win. And actually, all my teammates, that they want to win just as much as I do. So I think, you know, we do have just good, a good mesh of personalities, but also a lot of our success is just based on, like, all four of us really want to win and, all four of us work really hard at the game, and it's just a really everyone kind of got the same commitment level to the game, which uh, works really well. Like we just touched on briefly, Darren, you show more emotion and get more excited on the ice than most players at the elite level. Some would say that uh, elite curlers are often too serious on the ice. As someone who not only plays at the elite level but is also a fan of the sport, do you think that the product would be even more interesting to casual curling fans if the players let their personalities shine through a little bit more on the ice? Well, I think that if if somebody does it just to do it, then if it's not genuine, I don't think the fans like watching that. So I think it would be neat to see people just kind of be who they are, which I do think some people are vastly different on the ice and off, and maybe that's what they have to do. But for me, like, I just, I I am who I am when I play, and I just, you know, I just show it, uh, kind of show my true colors when I'm playing, I guess. I don't really worry about trying to censor myself or... You know, I just play curling the way that I always have. So for me, it's more, you know, it's not an intentional thing. Like, I get excited when we win, and but I don't rehearse anything. I just, in the moment, I act the way I act. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes I throw my broom, sometimes I spike my watch to the ice. And, you know, like, guys on the team, it was, it's fun watching when they get excited, too. So I, I think... Positive and negative emotion is kind of exciting to watch. Darren, you join your current uh, team a little further along in your curling journey than your three teammates. I'm wondering if the fact that you didn't start qualifying for the Briar straight out of juniors has added to your appreciation of the run that Team Botcher has been on for the past couple of seasons. I, I mean, I think so. I <clears throat> Obviously, my path to uh, playing at the, in Tier 1 and at, at an elite level has been a little, well, actually a lot different than a lot of... Uh, the other guys that I play against, but, uh, you know, just my path that I took, and I, I threw a lot of rocks and put a lot of effort into the game and curled with a lot of great guys. Wouldn't take any of those experiences back. I, I loved every second of it, so I love playing, but, you know, obviously with this team, it's, it's different. It's the best team I've ever been on, and, you know, if you'd have told me four years ago when I joined Team Botcher 
that uh, we were going to put in four briars in a row, I would have laughed. I wouldn't have believed you, but it kind of feels as we progress as a team, like that we belong there. And and I just love playing with these guys. I love being out on the ice with them. And, you know, I think we have a lot of fun when we're out there. And uh, maybe, you know, for me, like some of those games that we play together are some of the most fun times that I ever have. So, uh, no, I, I, I can't speak for my teammates, but, you know, I think the main thing about the run we've had over the last three, three and a half years is that we've had a lot of fun together. And, you know, we've worked really hard and we're, uh, we've been fairly successful, but we're definitely looking to, to maybe get to a little bit higher step, a little higher level in our play more consistently. Your opening game at the Briar and Kingston is against Team Jacobs of Northern Ontario. All things being equal, Darren, would you prefer the chance to work your way into the event a little before meeting the top-ranked team in the world, or do you like the idea of measuring up against uh, another one of the event favorites right off the top? Well, we played them last year, and they blew our doors off in the first game. They just absolutely killed us. And uh, it was right after the wild card game. It was the next morning, and they came out and shot 95 against us, and we kind of played average and got killed. So, uh, and we still made it to the final. So, um, you know, it's a big game. We we love playing those guys. They love playing us, and it's always a, it's going to go down to last rock most times. And, you know, it's our games always seem to have the most epic of endings. So, uh, you know, I would imagine uh, it'll be a great game, and we may play them again. We may play them two or three times. Who knows? But. Uh, you know, look at the season they've been having, and you know, you'd have to think they're the favorites in that game. But uh, you know, we feel like we uh, we feel like we're kind of uh, getting uh, into a good spot right now and playing well. And finally, Darren, as we mentioned earlier, your team has played really well at the last two Briars, losing in the final both times. What will it take for your team to go on a similar run again this season in Kingston, and perhaps even take that next step and win your first Briar title? You know, just a consistent week. Uh, handling the ups and downs of a briar. You know, there's going to be good times and bad times in every briar, and especially if they're on the ice, things happen. So, you know, being our fourth briar, we know what to expect, and we basically, uh, you know, Brendan will definitely help us stay even as he always does. He'll, we'll make a ton of shots and see where we are, but, <clears throat> you know, you need a little bit of luck. You need things to go your way a little bit. you got to play your A game, and... I feel like we know what it, we know what we have to do to win the Briar, and I, I definitely think that everyone on our team feels like we can do it. But uh, acknowledging that there's another half, you know, seven or eight teams that feel the same way and should. So that's the beauty of Canadian curling, especially uh, you know I feel like on the men's side you've got uh, seven or eight really good teams that can kind of kind of win the Briar, like. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if any of them won the briar. If you're looking to buy some new curling equipment, look no further than Hardline. They offer premium curling equipment that is a choice of the world's top curlers. Whether it's the U.S. Olympic gold medalist, Team Schuster, or women's Olympic gold medalist, Sweden's Team Hasselberg. Or how about the top Canadian teams, Briar Champs, Team Cooey, Team Gushu, Team Jacobs, Team Carruthers, and world champions, Team Adine and Team Tiranzoni. Hardline's new composite broom, the Hybrid Helium, is the lightest composite broom on the market, and it's perfect for beginners. 
Hardline also offers a full range of equipment to get you playing your best, including shoes, apparel, and the Pro Slide delivery aid designed by Reed Carruthers. Visit their website at www.hardlinecurling.com and join the revolution. Ben Hebert is one of the more colorful and recognizable curlers on the planet. He also happens to be an Olympic champion, a two-time world champion, and a four-time Briar champion. Next week, Hebert and the rest of Team Cooey will look to defend their titles at the Briar in Kingston as Team Canada. Ben, I typically start these interviews by asking the players about uh, their recent uh, provincial championship, but your team didn't have to compete at provincials because you are the reigning Canadian champions. That said, your team just competed in a small bond spiel in uh, Calgary against Team Adine, Team Alzrud, and an all-star team uh, that was skipped by Glenn Howard. Was the main purpose of the event to give your teams uh, basically a few competitive reps before the Briar, and in the, and in the case of uh, Team Adine and Team Alzrud, uh, before uh, the World Championship? Yeah, you know, it was something that we tried to do when we won the Briar in 2016 uh, with the old Kevin Cooey rink there. We just thought that uh, six, seven weeks of no curling probably wasn't beneficial for unbelievable performance coming up. And, uh, you know, thankfully we have such great sponsors that that got behind the event and and wanted to run it. And then, of course, Paul Webster and the Glencoe Club here, you know, they they put on an A1, A1 event. And, you know, we wanted to get some really good teams, so we had to have to put up a purse to get some good competitive games. So we got the world champs, Nicodine, Thomas Olsrud, and then obviously Glenn Howard and, and John Morris came in and Brent Lang and, and Kirk Myers kind of put together a little bit of an all-star team. And yeah, we had some great games. You know, the ice was really good. And, uh, you know, we had a little bit of rust, no question, but I think at the end of the week, uh, we ended up losing the final to Nicodine in a great game. He drew the button to beat us. And, um, you know, at the end of the week to, to get those reps in, it was certainly something we looked back on saying, you know, we didn't want to have, any rust going into the briar and so to, to get those good competitive games and get those juices flowing again because you know you're going to have to be on your a game when you get to kingston uh it was really worth it and and, and a great job by everybody involved so we we're pretty lucky that we were able to do that ben how would you gauge team cooey's season so far yeah i mean uh certainly a, I would say an average season for us from a per, uh, performance standpoint a result standpoint i mean yeah we want we want to win more than we've won this year certainly but you know there's been a lot of variables this year for us i mean Obviously, coming into the season uh, with where we were, you know, winning Briar Worlds, et cetera, points-wise, and, and already being qualified for the Briar and already being qualified for the Continental Cup. And, you know, we would have been qualified for the Skins game if it wouldn't have canceled, and we were in the Champions Cup already. And, I mean, we had a lot of things that we maybe didn't have to play for that I think other teams really ramped up were playing hard for. And I think that maybe had a little bit to do with it. But I think at the same time, you know, missing BJ for five weeks right in the middle of our season kind of stung us a bit and having random players uh, uh, in and out of the lineup, just kind of getting off of our, out of our uh, routine a little bit and then having Portage get canceled. And, uh, you know, so that wasn't, I guess, unbelievable for great performance for us, but you know what, we hung around. I think we're sitting, I think fifth or sixth right now in Canada, kind of grinding it out. But yeah, I think the best is yet to come for us. You know, we're obviously ramping up. If, if we got to pick an event that we wanted to go back and defend, it certainly would have been the Briar this year, you know, get back to the Worlds and try to get back and win that gold medal rather than the silver off of last year. And we've been trending in the right direction. I mean, we've been uh, we've been really, really close. I mean, I'm not naive enough to think that if we if we weren't playing good, I'd be I'd be more than happy to tell you we weren't playing good. I'm, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to sugarcoat that kind of stuff. So, you know, just a couple shots here and there that have kind of changed the tide on a couple of events and, you know, certainly kudos to some of the other teams. You know, they've uh, they've they've upped their game and, and elevated and, and made a lot of key shots against us in some games that, you know, where last year we got a couple of those breaks. I mean, uh, 
you know, this year we just haven't really got the big miss, the timely miss from the skips and, you know, a couple timely makes, you know, a, a run back from Beej or a draw to the button from Kev or kind of something that turns the tide on a game. And, you know, we're just a couple shots. And, and at our level, the games are so tight up there. When you start playing, you know, you play Gushu, Epping, Jacobs, Botcher, Adin, it's really one or two shots every single game. And, and uh, you know, we're certainly not getting, I think, in Yorkton, Yorkton might have been the best event we played all year. We played great. You know, we, we had an unbelievable game against um, Gushu in the A final. We drummed up Mike McEwen all over the ice in that B final, and then Schwaller stood in his head, and they threw 95 at us as a team. And I don't care who's throwing them, where the rocks end up is, is who you got to play. So, you know, we're really close, and, you know, we're really excited to get to the Briar. I have uh, certainly high expectations of us at the Canadian Championship, and I'm really looking forward to getting there. A lot was made at the Briar last year, but how difficult it is to beat your team when Kevin Cooey is in one of his zones. As good as he is when he is in that zone, is it fair to say that part of what makes Kevin and your team so good these days is that he is also fairly consistent from week to week and from event to event? Yeah, I mean, Kevin's been, uh, you know, I certainly think one of the things with Kevin over his career, I think what, you know, the, the thing what people would say about him is, maybe his consistency of, of, of highs and lows maybe aren't there all the time, but his high end super, super high. And I know when I started playing with Kevin about six years ago, even our first year, maybe that was the case. But, I mean, I had a run with Kevin here up until this year where we'd qualify in every single event for two and a half years. So you don't do that without getting a very, very consistent skip. And, you know, I think his draw game, I mean, everyone knows he's the best hitter in the world, no questions asked. But I think his draw game is, it has improved and, you know, my personal opinion is whenever we get on really good ice where where the speed is nice and, you know, it's not patchy and, and you get a little bit of a, a comforting leg kick that you know is going to be there the whole week, and, you know, he gets in the zone with that, I feel like, you know, he's going to have a week where he is unstoppable. And, you know, with playing in some clubs this year and maybe some different ice surfaces uh, going between the slams and Canada Cup and all that kind of stuff, Continental Cup, you know, with maybe, uh, you know, big crowds and things changing, and if you don't throw in draws all the time, and speeds change in game to game, I think that's tough. And and so, you know, when he gets in that zone of, of finding his, his perfect draw weight for the event, I mean, he's the best player in the world. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. And, uh, you know, I, I'm really hoping that uh, he has that in Kingston because when he gets going like that, he's nasty. And, uh, you know, I love being a part of that, that's for sure. When doing my interviews for uh, the Briar uh, preview, I typically ask how a team prepares and approaches for the on-ice competition. But I thought I'd switch it up with you a little bit, uh, Ben, and ask you what Team Cooey does ahead of time to ensure that you are comfortable and in a good headspace to focus on the task at hand. In other words, how do you manage all of the extraneous stuff that can sometimes become a distraction at an event like the Briar? Um, well, I think that a lot of that is our my coach's job, obviously, being a sports psych. Um, you know, he certainly don't want to get us in our happy place, and, w- and winning usually does that, get off to a good start. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we've got different roles on our team. You know, BJ's our food guy. He loves to find some nice restaurants and stuff. So, I mean, being Team Canada, you know, we know we're going to have a draw that we play a whole bunch of night games. But, uh, you know, BJ's already scoped out a nice restaurant for us Thursday, Friday night. And, you know, the Briar, I think, it's, it's such a long week. And, you know, if, if you plan on being in it until the final weekend and, and making the top four, you know, it's not only a mental grind, it's a physical grind, no question. And, you know, as we get older, I think the one thing that's really important for me and, you know, certainly for our team and what we do last year is, you know, we we watch a lot of it when we're not playing and, and making sure we're checking out checking out the ice and see if anything's changing. 
talking a lot about the rocks and then, and then rest. I think rest is a huge thing. You know, kick our feet up and, uh, you know, make sure we're getting enough sleep, certainly fueling properly with food and, and hydrating and things like that and trying to block out all the distractions. I mean, luckily for us, you know, our wives and, and kids and sponsors, they've been through, through it so much with, um, you know, briars and slams and all these big events of going, and we know how to handle it, and, you know, we don't have a lot of outside distractions to deal with, so it's kind of nice having that uh, that experience. I think that's where it comes in to help, but at the same time, you want to enjoy yourself. Uh, you know, you never know when you're going to get back. I mean, we're not like, uh, you know, Kushu Jacobs who get to go to the briar every year on a free pass, right? we got to play botcher, so... You never know when you're going to get to get back every year. So, you know, I, I plan on really enjoying it and just going out and playing great. And you know, I think everything is just the cards are going to be dealt the way they're dealt. I'm curious, Ben, to to know if the new format that was introduced at the Briar a couple of years ago has changed the approach that Team Cooey takes when it goes to the Briar. I mean, the Briar will always be a grind, but the new format has changed things up, obviously. You play the, the round-robin portion where any losses can be troubling once you get to the championship round, and then once you get to that championship round, then you're playing the top teams uh, from the other pool. So I'm just changing if it's changed your team's approach to the way you prepare or the way you, uh, you kind of distribute your um, your focus during the week at the Briar. Yeah, I don't think our approach changes at all. I mean, going into a Canadian championship, especially if you look at the men's teams, I remember going to a few Briars, you know, 08, 09, 11, 12, even 13. I guess I wasn't in 12, but you know, I didn't feel like the teams there could keep up past maybe the top four or five teams. You know, I was looking at the pool. There's there's eight to ten really good teams at the Briar that if you don't play good, they're going to beat you. No questions asked. I mean, and even you could run into the 11 and 12 teams where maybe they have a skip or, or you know, a couple of players that have some experience that you know, get them in trouble a couple ends, they can bail you out. I mean, there's only a couple games at the Briar that you can really show up and, and blindfolded win. There's a, there's a lot of good teams there. So it, it's impressive to see the depth in men's curling in Canada. And now with the wild card spot and the Team Canada spot, it even gets deeper. Like if you look at the like look at the field, there's not one team really that was upset. I guess maybe you could say Reed and Gunner, but they're 50-50, and Reed still has a chance to get in the wild card. So it's going to be a stacked field. I don't think it changes the way we approach it uh, as far as going, but I think. I personally, I think I like the old format a little bit better. But just because you get to play everybody, you know, you don't have to get in the argument about uneven pools, you know, based off of CTRS or a certain season. It just is what it is. You play everybody, and there's no excuses. Everybody goes to bat. But, you know, I understand the reasons why, and, you know, it doesn't sound like it's changed anytime soon. And so that is what it is. But I think the one thing that's great about uh, the new format, actually, is the uh, two-game day, one-game day, two-game day, one-game day, up until the championship round. I think that's really nice, obviously, like I say, mentally and physically, to have those one-game days uh, in a long week like that are really nice. So I think that's the only really thing that I like about this new format. But in the end, it doesn't matter. You're going to have to play all the top teams, and you're going to have to play really, really well if you want to have a shot to win it. And finally, Ben, as you just mentioned, uh, there aren't a bunch of easy games at the Briar anymore, and there will be a number of teams in the field in Kingston that you haven't faced this season. I'm just wondering if you guys uh, even bother trying to gain information on these teams you haven't played uh, at all this season, or do you simply focus on uh, on your eight rocks, uh, making your shots, and, and forcing the opponent to uh, as many difficult shots as possible? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think maybe early, you know, Saturday, Sunday, if, if we know who we're playing the next day, we might try to catch some of their game, whether it be from the arena or if they're a TV game or, 
maybe look up their stats on a couple certain things. You know, that's our fifth man. Ted Appleman does that very, very well. But as far as scouting these teams prior, I mean, no, I don't, I don't think any of the top teams do that. And I think I'm not the only one to say. I think maybe I used to when I was younger, certainly, you know, worry about other teams or kind of what they were doing or, you know, who their guys were. But at this point in my career, I mean, I, I'm too much of a veteran to know that the only thing we need to worry about is ourselves. I mean, we're going to have a lot of, uh, you know, hopefully great games, and certainly we're going to have some hiccups along the way and a couple shots here and there that, you know, we're going to want back. And I think if we just we keep that kind of worry about our own team and worry about what we're doing, you know, rather than these other teams, I think, I think especially, you know, the teams that you say are the, the lower-ranked teams, if we go out, we're, we're not naive enough to know that if we go out and play really, really good, you know, those games are going to take care of itself. You know, there's certainly a few teams out there that if we go and play really, really good, that, that could beat us. But there's not many of those. So we just got to worry about ourselves and go play great. And, and then if that happens, we're going to have a chance. And if not, then, then we're probably not going to get the job done. Our final guest of this year's Briar Preview is John Epping, who will be skipping in his second Briar this year. Epping and his team will also have the privilege of being the home team for this Briar, representing Ontario a couple of hundred kilometers away from home. John, your team got out of the gate real quickly uh, this season in your first two events with Ryan Fry at third, uh, winning in Oakville and Cornwall against strong early season fields. How important was it for your team to get off to such a strong start after the off-season lineup change? Yeah, I think that, you know, it gave us a lot of confidence and, uh, you know, it's it's nice to see a new lineup always uh, win right away. I mean, um, you know, sometimes that happened, though, we, you know, we, we joke around and call that kind of the honeymoon, the honeymoon stage because, you know, Ryan's a new player and, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit, a little bit different when you first start out and, um, but, uh, but it, lots of, it gave us lots of confidence and, uh, and, you know, any, anytime you win, anytime you win something, anything, it, uh, yeah, it feels, it always, always feels good. You'd played against Ryan Fry a bunch of times over the years, but what, if anything, surprised you the most about Ryan once you got to know him a little bit better, both on and off the ice, after he joined your team? Well, you know, I, I think that's one thing that a lot of people, you know, didn't know is that Ryan and I have been a long, long, like we've been long-time friends. So, to me, there was no, you know, nothing that was really, uh, you know, really shocking because we've spent uh, spent a ton, ton of time together and we've, you know, we've practiced before together um, you know, when we've been in the same city. So, you know, for me, it wasn't that there was really, uh, you know, just more that uh, it was reassuring that, yeah, this was, this was the right, uh, felt like there were, there, we made the right choice and the right decision to go this way with Ryan and, and have him join, uh, you know, join the team. And, and not shocking, he's just, big he just makes a ton of shots. And, and it's, he's not just, the, you know, one of the best thirds. Uh, you know, in the world. He's, he's one of the best, uh, you know, shooters in the world. Since we're talking about your teammates for a minute, uh, tell me about Brent Lang. Uh, this is your second season with him on the team. He's well-respected as a curler, obviously, but he also seems to be a calming figure on the ice as well. Yeah, he definitely he definitely brings the, uh, he definitely lightens the mood out there, and, you know, especially when it comes to those pressure situations or maybe things aren't going your way or things are, are going your way. He, uh, you know, he, he's got that great uh, kind of... Uh, you know, the, I like to call them the sarcastic one-liners that uh, you know they make you stop and, and, and smile and, and you know and you know you generally always get the laugh out of us or, or some type of reaction and um, you know and, and his, his, his veteran presence as far as, as sweeping and, and communicating and I mean that's that's uh, such a huge asset to have. 
One of the knocks against you a little earlier in your career, John, was that when you had your A game, you were one of the best players in the world, but that you ran into problems when you had to scratch out wins when your game eluded you a little bit. Is that something that you have consciously worked on, or is it something that comes as you mature as a player and as a person? You know what? No, it's more of a team thing. I think people saw inconsistency, but that was me getting hot on, on certain weekends and, and facing difficult situations. The difference between the difference with this team is this this is honestly the best team I've ever had. It's the most consistent team I've ever had. And it's allowed me, you know, it's allowed, you know, it's allowed my shots to be definitely less stressful. And, uh, you know, and it's definitely giving, it gives us a chance to, uh, to win a lot more games. And I think when you saw the ups, ups and downs of the old, maybe the old teams that we had, we just weren't as, maybe weren't as sharp as the top teams in the world. But, uh, you know, it could show up once in a while with some, uh, you know, some big ones. And, and then I could get a hot hand and, and um, you know, that's, that kind of really, uh, you know, can really lead to some wins. It's going to lead to some ups and downs. Your signature win this season was the Canada Cup. Uh, what was the most important aspect of that win for you, the spot in the Olympic trials or the fact that your team showed yourselves and the Canadian curling community that you were ready to compete and win at the highest levels of the sport? Yeah, that, I mean, huge bonus to get that Olympic trial spot and, and, and nice to get that out of the way and, and you, you, and, you know, knock you know, check that one off the box. Um, I think, but more importantly for us, it was seeing that we can win a big event together as a team. That's basically it, right? An Olympic trials field in a non-Olympic year. Um, so to us, it just gave us a ton of confidence. And, you know, for somebody like me, I've been around a long time, but I haven't played in the Canada Cup final. I've played, at a, you know, I've played in a bunch of slam finals, but, but not, uh, you know, not something where the field was, uh, you know, was like that and, the, you know, that much on the line. And, um, you know, same with, with Matt as well. And, uh, you know, just, just nice, like I said, winning, winning is always going to uh, help help uh, build confidence in teams. You and your then lineup uh, played really well at the 2018 Briar, finishing the round robin 9-2 before losing in the semifinal. They say that the Briar is a different animal than any other curling event. What did you learn from that 2018 experience, John, that you believe will help you navigate your second Briar a little easier both on and off the ice? You know, probably the maybe just the grind of the week. It's a long week. You're there. You know, you're there for you know nine, ten days. Uh, the, the game, the week is you know Saturday to Sunday, and you know ten end games. A bunch of them, like you're playing a lot. So it's a long. You know, I I thought it was a long mentally and emotional grind. Um, but you know, that being said, I I think sometimes you know I know it's only my second briar, but I've been in three Olympic trials. Uh, I've been in six, seven Canada Cups now. So I've I've you know been lucky to play on the big stage and other uh, in other you know other events which will which will definitely help uh next week i mean the only the only you know i think new thing and big thing for uh for somebody like myself will be being the home province uh being the home province team right that's going to be that added uh you know added difference for us and a lot of excitement uh, around that and uh you know i can't i can't wait to play in front of uh, in front of all uh all our, our family and friends and, and uh, club members. And finally, John, as you just alluded to, you're going to be the home team at this year's Briar, even though you aren't from Kingston. I'm sure there will be plenty of friends and family making their way up the 401 to support your team. Support is always terrific, but it can also be a distraction. What has your team done to ensure that you can properly soak in the experience of being the home team at the Briar without letting it become a distraction? Yeah, definitely. And I, and I mean, that's, that is going to be the, the biggest thing next week being the home province is the distraction. 
we added, uh, you know, added, uh, you know, seeing people, and then you know, we pulled here, there, the media. There's lots of, uh, you know, lots of added things that are going to be uh, asked, uh, you know, as the as the whole province team. But um, that's why we have, uh, you know, a great coach in Jim Wilson, and you know, bringing in John Morris as our our fifth, and they're, you know, they're going to help uh, help with that and, and handle that uh, that and keep us kind of in that uh, bubble and making sure our focus stays up. And I mean, Langer and and Fry have been to so many Briars that. Uh, you know, they're going to be great to help that too. And uh, no, no doubt that, that we'll be, uh, you know, extra focused for the week and, and uh, on our game. And that does it for the From the Hack 2020 Tim Hortons Briar Preview. We'll be in Kingston throughout Briar Week, so please follow us on Twitter for updates and behind-the-scenes news and notes. I'm Frank Rock, and this is From the Hack.